Welcome to Maker Mixtapes. My name is Tom, and today we talk about making a great sales methodology even better. Andy White is the founder of Medic, M-E-D-D-I-C-C, where he's written a book, produced a course, and creates incredibly in-depth content around the sales methodology of the same name. Here we talk about how to apply this methodology to your existing sales activity in order to build trust with your customers or clients or prospects, and how to be proactive in your sales process in order to avoid being on the back foot. We also chat about his experiences self-publishing a book that sold over two and a half thousand copies and how his YouTube videos average over 2,000 views, which is no small feat for a B2B channel covering such a niche topic. This is a really fun chat, so do enjoy. I thought a really good place to start actually is what we were just talking about before hitting record, you jumping into Medic like full time. How are you finding it so far? You know, you're like three weeks in. How is it going? Yeah, it's going really well, I have to say. I don't suppose you'd ever have anyone on and go, you know what, it's going terrible. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> questioning everything I'm doing. But I have to be honest and say, yeah, it's it's going much better than I ever um, would have hoped. And, you know, you kind of, like anyone, I guess, coming out of like a full-time full-time job and with all like the you know job security and stuff like that, I think before making that kind of leap, you kind of really want to feel very confident. So it wasn't like I was kind of not expecting it to do okay, but it's just, yeah, I I feel really blessed and kind of happy with how it's going so far. Yeah, man. And what I'm most impressed about is how you, you are starting to build an empire around something that's so specific. You know, it's a single sales methodology. When you see people like Sales Hacker, for example, they spent years building a brand out of, well, like the broader sales space. And I want to kind of get into how you did that, but I thought just to add some context for listeners, what Medic is, because Mm -hmm. the quote unquote original sales methodology is M-E-D-D-I-C, but the one that you have put your hat on is M-E-D-D-I-C. So I'm just curious, what do all those letters mean? What do they stand for? And how does, you know, your approach to it differ? Yeah, sure. Great question. So Medic, as you say, is a sales methodology. It's very much orientates around the qualification of selling for companies that are doing either like complex sales or enterprise sales, basically, you know, where there's a lot of engagement with the customer, a lot of like different parts of the decision process and the criteria in which they're making a decision, different stakeholders. So really like kind of all the tenants of a of a, a more enterprise or complex sale is where Medic fits in. And it's an acronym. So the actual initial letters, as you, you mentioned there, was Medic with one C on the end and two Ds. So it's metrics, economic buyer, decision criteria, decision process, identify the pain and champion. And all of those different elements, if you like, all um, relate to different parts of the sales process or the the, the engagement you'd have with with the customer. And it kind of keeps the salesperson focused on the right things that they should be doing at the right times. And it does this thing, the best way I can describe it is this this thing that a lot of salespeople find themselves doing when they've got a deal that's in play is they do this thing called just, I'm just checking in, like, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, I'm just checking in, how's it going? Like, what do we do next kind of thing? And medic will kind of tell you what you need to do to avoid doing that. You always, you always come on the front foot. So that's the initial part. And as you say, I, I, my medic is, is uh, medic.com has two C's 
on the end. And I'd love to be able to tell you some sort of romantic story about how, <laughs> like, you know, I'm adamant that it has to be Medic 2C and not 1C. And, you know, there's also another variant, which is very popular called MedPick. But really, Medic.com with 2Cs was available right when I started this. And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, well, that's a, that's a pretty good sign. So I tend to, you know, anyone that looks at my stuff will, will notice I tend to kind of, you know, for me, Medic with 1C is kind of the, I guess it's like the, the high level name you'd call it. And then after that, you've got different variants that have different letters. I mean, some people have like three C's and P's and yeah. R's and all kinds of things in them. So. Medripikikika. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is, there is one joke that comes out. If you put the, you know, Medpick is the common one. And if you put an R in there, it becomes, you know, potentially offensive, but I'll, I'll leave that for the listeners <laughs> to, to figure out. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, how did you come to be an advocate of the methodology then? Because you've been a SaaS sales leader in the past for companies like Pick with a Q. Is this something that you kind of came across and it was like, holy shit, I need this. I've needed this methodology for so long. And it's just something you've kind of carried with yeah. you today. It's a funny one. I kind of describe it like, I guess, like a lot of people, I imagine sort of people will be listening to this podcast as well, you know, aspirational in your career and you want to be the, you know, you want to be the top of what you're doing. You're not necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily there yet, especially in something like sales where it's such a, you know, you never stop learning in sales. And I guess it's a bit like, you know, a big part of your audience I imagine is in search engine optimization. Like that's, that's another thing you, you know, I'd say they're quite similar, you know, it's, you can get the basics and you can become good at your foundational side of things, but it's always evolving. It's always changing and you're always, you know, learning. So if you think about it from me coming into sales, I always felt like I was, you know, I was working very hard, putting a lot of effort in, reading all the sales books and stuff. But before I came across Medic, it was kind of, I describe it like being in a room with the light switched off and you know, inside of that room, there's a deal. Yeah. You just don't know where it is. And Medic gives you kind of like a flashlight. And so, when I first heard about it, I'd love to be able to say to you, it just clicked. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be different from now on. I heard about <laughs> it. I learned it. I kind of got it. Like, I, you know, there was no doubt about the logic of it. But I quickly realized, you know, that, that it was going to take some time to kind of make it click. And I kind of remember maybe it was maybe maybe six months after I first learned it that it really I felt right. This is clicked now. And it's, it becomes kind of second nature to everything I do. Yeah, like any practice, right? You just got to kind of put the hours in, yeah. put the reps in as it were, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly it. You mentioned a second ago how, you know, a lot of salespeople follow up with very generic messaging, like just checking in. Did you have any thoughts on this? What does medic advise you do differently? Because it's something like I've been guilty of the past. It's like, mm -hmm. what should I say differently? <laughs> yeah. So I think that the main thing with that, and that's a really great question. The main thing with that is I would say that it comes down to this. If you find yourself just checking in, then I would say you're on the back foot. And, and once you're on the back foot, you're kind of then trying to get back on the front foot. But you know that in itself is a whole process. And so I guess what I'd say medic does is it keeps you on the front foot. So you're going to know, you're not going to find yourself in that situation of just checking in because there's going to be so many actions that you have available to you that you're constantly working on that you just won't find yourself on that back foot situation. So it could be things like one of the things that a medic does very, very well is it focuses the salesperson and the, and the customer to a degree on identifying and really kind of 
clarifying what the criteria is in which they're going to base their decision. That's, you know, that's the first D decision criteria. And so, you know, if you have that, you know, customers, one thing that salespeople make as a mistake frequently all the time is, you know, the salesperson gets out of bed in the morning. Let's say they're a SaaS salesperson. They jump out of bed in the morning and all they know, all they do is talk about their product in their industry all day, right? And they're selling to someone, let's say they're selling a marketing technology who, you know, that morning is meeting with PR. That afternoon, they've got to talk about SEO that, you know, then they've got to speak their agency about a new campaign Then you know, and, and on and on and on. They're like, they're doing like 20 things a day and maybe one or two or three or four, even 5% of the day at the most is thinking about that technology platform at the most, right? So customers, what I'm leading to say is customers really aren't experts in buying stuff anything right and so the idea of them having a really rock solid criteria in which they're going to make a good decision on them is, is very unlikely they might have a you know they might have some some previous experience of using some technology or a, a, a challenge that they want to solve but really articulating that is not something that the customers are very very good at so a good salesperson can come in work very collaboratively and consultatively with the customer to really clarify what is it that you're looking to solve here? And what's the criteria in which you're going to score against that? And if you just, that is just one example. If you have that relationship with your customer, you're always going to have something to be working towards, not just checking in. And I think things like that, are the things that whilst it's not necessarily, medic isn't necessarily the, um, the kind of tool, if you like, that's going to tell you what the criteria is. It's going to keep you focused on finding out what that criteria is. I love that. It sounds very reminiscent of consultative selling in a way. Are there quite a few parallels to that? Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the great things about Medic is that um, it buddies up very, very well with, you know, all different methodologies, um, frameworks and things like that, because it, it, at its core, it kind of just becomes kind of this, like, I, I call it like an operating language. If you imagine it like a, an operating system for revenue teams. It's, it's, you know, whether you use Salesforce or HubSpot or Pipedrive, or something like that, they all relate back to Medic being the language they use. Same goes for different executives, different teams, you know, all those, even the marketing team, if they really, some of the greatest marketing teams I've worked with have said, right, okay, this is a campaign that we're aiming towards champions. This is a campaign we're aiming towards the senior person, the, the ultimate person, the economic buyer, as it is called, that can kind of veto this project if they wanted to. And, you know, all that kind of stuff, it becomes a very, very, you know, scalable way of, bringing lots of different disparate teams together, which I think is pretty cool. I love that. It sounds like it's just codifying a natural sales conversation, right? But empowering the salesperson to actually add more value to their prospects and their leads in a way, instead of just yeah. just checking in. <laughs> just checking in. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, maybe I need to trademark that phrase as some sort of anti, like um, our, our good friend um, Jack Butcher has that, I, I forget what it's called, but the uh, the visual, the opposite of visualized value Twitter account. Right? Yeah. In, is it inverse value or something? <laughs> yeah. Inverse <laughs> advice or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a funny one. I haven't seen any tweets from that recently, but. No, I almost I forgot about it. I was, I, was, I was scrolling through who I was following the other day and I saw it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember that. So maybe, yeah, maybe a sales meme account could be a great acquisition channel for you, Andy. <laughs> I tell you what, actually, there is some really good sales meme accounts out there. And um, the beauty of them is, is, you know, I, I just can't ever imagine. I mean, this may change. I can't ever imagine spending any money on like Instagram advertising because the bang for your buck you get for working with those sales memes account is like, um, you know, sponsoring posts with them and that kind of thing. 
is I just can't, you know, I cannot imagine what the acquisition rate like could be compared to, you know, I mean, I did, I tried some Instagram sort of campaigns just on sponsoring posts. Really? Is this for, is this for medic or another yeah. role? Yeah, right. for medic. Yeah. Just to try it out, you know, no, no massive budgets or anything like that. But I think I was spending like, I don't know, like 40 pounds and I'd get like six followers or something. And you'd <laughs> right. spend, okay. you know, spend a similar amount with like a, a, a meme account and you're talking, you know, a hundred followers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, you know, they're super targeted because they are by their nature, the people following them are interested in sales. And then, you know, you're not pulling the wool over the eyes of their followers. They're saying, Hey, this is a sales account. If you're interested in sales, go follow this. So it's like, it's like another couple of, you know, targeting wise. It's, yeah. So it's a really, really good. Um, I found it a very, very powerful way of getting really good followers. Yeah. A friend of mine is always sharing like Instagram stories or posts from like these consulting parody accounts because he's yeah. a consultant for Capgemini and they are hilarious and I follow <laughs> them. Right. But I wouldn't follow, you know, someone like, I don't know, HubSpot or Sales Hacker for the content. And it sounds to me like it's it's taking the philosophy that we see from people like, you know, Jack Butcher and something that Harry Dry of Marketing Examples has said recently. It's like run with your followers, you know. If they're on Instagram and they're engaging with memes, just create some memes. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the way to go. Yeah. One yeah. thing you said a moment ago is when you were describing the medic process is that the importance of relationships. And it's a thread that just kind of tugged away at a recent memory because we were recently creating a piece of content for a client on relationship selling. And mm -hmm. in my experience, like the topic of intimacy and being likable, especially when you're selling to say the C-suite, like intimacy is quite an important element. Mm -hmm. But when we were doing some research, there was an article from Forbes and some other people where they either didn't mention it at all, or they said that being likable isn't important. And I inherently disagree with that. And I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that and how that fits into the medic process overall. Yeah, it's it's one of these classic things. It's like the it's it's almost like some commentators like the idea of being out there and saying that you know relationship building or being liked in sales isn't important. It's almost like it's it's like a popular thing to say. And it's just I always think back to this this one instance, and this is like a really silly example, but it, it sticks in my mind where I wanted to buy a sofa. I knew which sofa I wanted to buy. I, you know, I researched it. I was, and I literally walked into the sofa shop to buy it. And I mean, this is going back a few years. I was wearing a hoodie and I don't know what it was, but the sales guy approached me and he was like, bear in mind, I knew what I wanted to buy. And he comes up to me and he goes, he's like, uh, can I help you? And I was like, no, he says, and he was like, um, because I was just looking at that time, you know, classic kind of thing. And he says, um, can I get you some, you know, drugs? To, and what? I was like, what? I what think you're trying to be funny. And <laughs> I, I just, I know, I was, I think he was trying to be funny. And I think, you know, he probably saw me, I wasn't particularly young, but like wearing a hoodie and thought like, oh, like I'll try and like, I don't know what he was trying to relate with like the kids or whatever. But um, <laughs> and I just remember thinking, wow, you're a bit of an idiot, but I like the sofa enough that I'm going to buy from you because like you're the only sales guy here and I want to get this sofa so I sat down with him and this was in a place called Biggleswade in Bedfordshire I know and Biggleswade <laughs> I'm from I'm from Bedfordshire myself so, very, oh, okay. so well, this is a very relevant story I'm not know? surprised that someone's sales pitch started with drugs in Biggleswade <laughs> <laughs> very true. few of my listeners are going to understand this but yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true it sounds like it sounds like a funny place doesn't it Biggleswade but um mm. 
anyway, so he, he, um, he, we started doing the paperwork for the sofa and he said, oh, and that's going to be another, I think it was only some daft amount, like 30 pounds for delivery. And I was like, wait, well, you haven't told me about delivery. I thought it would include delivery. And I was trying to negotiate with him. And he was like, no, no. And his, I just didn't like him, right? He hadn't made a great first impression. And so I, I knew, I was trying to negotiate. I knew there wasn't free delivery, but I was trying to negotiate. But the point being is I left that, I wanted that sofa, but I said, no, I'm gonna leave it. And I got in my car and you all know this, I drove from Biggleswey to Bedford, which is what, like 20 minutes, 25 minutes to the next store of that chain, walked in, sat down with a sales guy, said, I want to buy this sofa. Blah, blah. I, he goes, goes uh, that'll be 30 pounds delivery. I said, you can do anything on that? And he says, no, sorry, we can't do anything different. So that's fine. So the point, the moral of this story is, <laughs> you will buy from someone that you don't like if you really, really, really like the product. But the very, very first, the very first opportunity for you not to buy from that person, it gives you like a massive excuse not to buy from them. So that, that's, that's kind of the likability thing. In terms of like relationship, I think it really comes down to, especially in enterprise sales, it comes down to trust. And trust is a really, really important thing because if you're going to invest in a technology that's going to run part of your business, for example, you want to trust that it's going to deliver what it says it will, but also that the company is going to be there for you when you need them. And that's where I think the relationship kind of thing relates into more than just liking the person. It's more of like a, an overall like holistic relationship thing with the customers. That's why I think it's, it's absolutely imperative. If you don't feel like you can have a, a future relationship with the company, yeah. Then you're very unlikely to get an enterprise size deal from them. Yeah. And I think, you know, salespeople in particular are, for lack of a better cliche, they're the face of that company, right? They're very reflective of the values of the company and the way that they do business. So I think it's quite important. And I love that analogy as well. That's a really good one. Something as simple as a sofa, but it applies to any industry, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. I still have that sofa, by the way. It's a good oh, sofa. Right? So I'm glad I got it. <laughs> Very good. It was a happy, happy ending to the story in the end. Yeah. So I've I've been kind of like following along your recent journey. I noticed you've been building in public, and I'm really keen to, to kind of dive into. Now we've covered what Medic is, how you are kind of promoting that message and the products that you're creating. Like how is, I mean, how is it going so far? You know, what what are you working on at the moment? Yeah, I think it's going like, again, like I, I don't have any kind of basis of comparisons. This is the first time I've done something like this, but I, I'm, I'm very happy with how it's going. And I think part of the reason for that is I've kind of hitched my cart to something that is a, a lot of people use and like Medic itself. You know, I didn't invent it. It's been around for 25 years. And I think that the, the interesting thing about it where I'm kind of benefiting is that generally the people that are using it by like nature of the fact they use it, they're kind of more in like the elite side of sales. And so there's almost like this thing that, that my hypothesis is that the people that use and love Medic are too busy using and loving Medic to stop to talk about it, right? And so there's been like this void of people kind of with new ideas and kind of a fresh perspective on Medic, which I think is what I've been able to kind of bring to the table. Because as I say, like, if you, you know, if you, if you, if you Google Medic, the 95% of the content of it looks like it could have been written by like a, an AI, because it's like the same content just regurgitated in different, like different fashion. And it's very high level and it doesn't really get into any of the detail of it. So it's great for someone who's just like, hey, I've heard this Medic thing. What, how can I know more about it? When it actually comes to like practical execution of that, I think that's where I've kind of been able to kind of get 
some good traction. So that's that's been going well. And I've kind of I wrote I wrote the book on the topic. And then I never wanted to be like a sales trainer. That's there nothing against sales trainers themselves. But you know, going back to again, back to um <clears throat> Jack Butcher with the whole build once, sell twice you know, mentality. The idea of training for me is is you rebuilding every time because you're having to deliver that. So I wanted to capitalize on a lot of people who were very, very kindly asking me to come and do training with them, but not, I didn't want to have the, you know, to, to kind of sell my time, so to speak. So I kind of crossed the two, created an online training course, which I launched about a couple of weeks ago. And that's going really well. And again, that's just, that's me trying now tapping into all these new channels that, that I hadn't really, as a sales guy, I hadn't really dug into too much before, like, you know, uh, advertising on search engines, obviously SEO. And um, LinkedIn's been really good as well. Just like organic LinkedIn traffic has been really good as well. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm focusing my time at the moment. Yeah, amazing, man. I see your LinkedIn posts get a lot of engagement, actually. How long have you been, you know, working at that? Because it, it can be a bit of a slog with LinkedIn. Yeah, it's, do you know what? I, I think, I don't want to beat up on LinkedIn, but I think like, I think compared to other social networks, their algorithm may be a little bit more primitive. It's a little bit easier to, I don't want to say hack, but it's a little bit easier to kind of get the DNA of a, a post that's going to get decent engagement right on it. I am, by the way, I'm no expert on this. Like I'm, I'm only going by my very narrow view of what, what's working for me right now. So um, take it with a pinch of salt. But it seems to be a combination of these things I think seem to work well on um, LinkedIn. First off, that kind of long form post seems to do better than like short form posts. If I do like a short, like a tweet size post, no one sees it. So long form posts. And I'm, I'm not, I've seen a lot of people doing these kind of like five word sentences yeah. and spacing stuff out. I, I'm sure that works, but I don't think that's the trick. I think it's actually the long form post that, that seems to be working because I, I just don't like those those kind of like where it's like almost like bullet points, but it's not. And it's just like really like I walked into a bar and then I sat down and then I ordered <laughs> a drink and it's like, come on, man, like let's like let's put it together. Yeah, that that kind of format I think was originated by a chap called Josh Josh Fetchter. Mm, I think that's okay. how you pronounce it. And I think the reasoning behind it was most people use social platforms on their mobile devices. And so okay. it's more of a way of breaking things down, but it does feel a little bit, I think people have like clocked onto it. I think if you're yeah. using LinkedIn and you see that, you're like, this is probably going to be quite a inflated story. So, right. Yeah. So I found the longer posts seem to work, but you don't, in my experience, you don't necessarily need to like break it down like that. You can just write as you normally would a long form post. And then also using video, but actually using uploading the video directly to LinkedIn. As much as, you know, you, if you've got a YouTube channel like I do, you want to promote that. I think the, the upside to having native video content on LinkedIn and the, the extra engagement that seems to get versus putting a YouTube link in there seems to make it worthwhile. And I've, I've kind of seen probably if I, I, I haven't looked at the data too closely, but my gut would say that I still get as much traction towards YouTube from people that find my stuff on LinkedIn and go, okay, well, this guy's probably got stuff over where other places and, and, and come through that way. So I guess what, and then it's just, it's just the really obvious one of like, if something gets early traction, like in that first, it seems like almost like the first few minutes, if you get people liking it, then it seems to kind of pick up a bit like a snowball effect from yeah. there. 
for sure. Uh, which 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 is cool. So I, you know, I've almost like I've got like a not many, like literally like three or four friends that if I post something that I want to, you know, catch some attention, then I'll like say, hey, can you quickly like like this? Like was <laughs> right. And I'm sure if you did that, and you know, I'm sure everyone's got three friends that will happily like LinkedIn posts just to give it a start. So yeah, yeah that, that's kind of the, the route. But as I say, that's probably for your audience, they're probably like, everyone's like, yeah, obviously Andy, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, cause you know, I've heard that, that advice before. And I think there was a bit of a, a spike in these little LinkedIn pods back in the day, mm. uh, which I think are still going, but it's just a group of people, similar audiences. They like each other's content, but you're doing it a little bit more authentically, which I like. You're just asking friends to do it and just letting LinkedIn do its thing from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But I, I think as well, I, I'm benefiting from this kind of, effect where it's it, it is that classic like um snowball effect where I, I had some success with launching the book people started reading the book and then there's like a there's definitely a thing that i love by the way where people will read like an educational book and they like to show people that they've read an educational book yeah. so i benefit from those kind of posts of people being like hey i just read a really like educational book and then there's the, the effect of that where people then add you on linkedin and i think there's definitely something in the algorithm if you've just connected with someone, you see more of their posts. So I'm constantly, like I'm riding almost this wave of people that are connecting with me who kind of come to the top and they see everything I post and because I'm fresh and new to them, they like it. So it's, it's, it's this kind of it's a very self-fulfilling scenario that you can kind of get into, which is, yeah, I'm very happy to be in. Yeah, totally, man. It sounds like an entry ramp into the other content that you're creating as well. You mentioned YouTube. Yeah. a second ago and i've noticed like some of your videos get like a hundred sorry one and a half thousand to like two and a half thousand views which again for something that is so niche is quite rare let alone you know videos by some of like the bigger brands in the b2b space don't even get that level of engagement where do you think that well yeah those views and that engagement's coming from yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me because I don't see any trends in it is the first thing. The, the one thing I did think for a little while was, I, I as you mentioned earlier, I've started trying to sort of document building in public. And it seemed like that seems like a hot topic. And what I noticed was that the, the first video I did on that topic seemed to really spike in views. Like I was getting a whole world of new traffic that I, I hadn't, um, you know, I wasn't tapping into before. And I think that maybe that was certainly seeding some of the other other views I was getting. And then I think it's just some targeted videos. Like some one of the ones that seem to be doing very well is where I talk about using medic for interviewing for a sales role. And I think that that is a very catchy topic that I think a lot of people are watching in. And I think like if I look at the if I do look at the the data on that that video, it's the one that's been like not just like relatively to how long it's been out, it's been watched a lot, but it has a really decent viewership, like they can watch all the way through. Yeah. And I think that obviously seeds other stuff. So it, it seems like there's there's a few, I guess, it, you know, I, I don't know if there's any secret to it, but it just seems like the, the posts that people watch more all the way through get seen more, which I guess is what the algorithm is supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. That topic of using Medic, during the interview process is that from the perspective of a rep looking to get a job or a sales yeah. manager conducting the interview well it's, it's more for the the former of what you said but i think you could use it both ways and the, the idea is basically this it's like interviewing and it's not just for sales roles actually but interviewing for any role is is very much like a sales process only the the product is you 
right? Yeah. You, you still got multiple stakeholders. They're still trying to, you know, they'll be trying to base their decision on who they hire based on a certain criteria. There'll be a process to do with it. There'll be, you know, people that are, you know, who could be your, you know, if you think about um, anyone sort of listening, think about the last job you got, the chances are if there's multiple stages to interviewing, there might be someone who's a bit of a champion for you. It might be, it might be the recruiter. It might be someone else who's just like a, a peer or a friend who has referred you or something like that. So, yeah, I think um, there's a, a lot of different stages and stakeholders that go into the uh, the recruitment side of things. I like that. Treating yourself as the product, right? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Awesome, man. Another milestone I've noticed that you've recently hit is selling two, two and a half thousand copies of your book, right? How, man, like selling books is hard enough as it is. Again, I'm kind of beating a dead horse now with the whole, it's around a very niche topic, but, um, but yeah, how, how do you think you managed to get such success with the book as well? Yeah. Thank you, dude. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I, I still sort of laugh about it because it's, it's like, if I'd have sold a hundred books, I would have been very happy. It was, you know, I think anyone you know, knows, you know, book sales, unless you're like JK Rowling or something like that, you're very, very unlikely to kind of make a, a, a huge amount of money from it. So I, I knew that going in, it was never about making money. It was more about, you know, kind of building my own, my own sort of perspective and brand on things. Yeah. And so, yeah, just to sell a hundred books would have been great. I would have like probably bitten your hand off if you, if you offered me that. Yeah. It's uh, I think we're actually, the thing is it's, it's very easy to get the data from Amazon about how many books you sold. But for, for other networks, you know, like your, 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 I think it's Kobo and Apple Books as the ebook providers and then actual bookstores, that data is terrible. Like someone needs to disrupt that industry and, and get some decent data in there. So I think I'm, I, I estimate I'm over 3,000 books sold now, which is <laughs> wow. pretty cool. That's mental. Yeah. But yeah, it's how it's kind of worked. It kind of goes back a bit to what I said earlier about, you know, a lot of people like Medic, a lot of people want to do more with Medic, but there's just not that many people talking about it. And so I think once I got the perspective out there, once I got some good people who had read it and kind of, you know, said that they liked what they, they read, it kind of, yeah, went from there. And, it, you know, it's, uh, I do very, very well from where organizations, sales leaders will say, yes, we need to, we need to embrace medic into our, our sales process. So what we're going to do is invite every salesperson in the team a book. To end up <laughs> nice. with. You know, you, I, but, but it's funny because you can kind of see it on my Amazon sales where it would be like, you know, on a bar chart, it'd be like low, 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 big peak, low, 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 big peak. <laughs> and you can kind of relate them back to, you know, companies investing in their sales team for it. Yeah. Amazing, man. Are you doing the same thing with the course? Are you kind of going after sales teams within like SaaS organizations or any organization, I guess, or are you very much just selling it to the audience that you've built over the last couple of years running Medic? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I actually, I actually um, have two, I have two sales processes in my CRM. So one is like the online sales process for people that are, you know, more a one-to-one basis where, you know, they could be expensing it, but it's, it's very much, they're interested in themselves for their own you know, use. And then there's a second sales process for people that are looking to buy for their team, for their company, that kind of thing. So I'm kind of splitting the two out. And obviously the goal will be to, to build automation around the kind of what I'm calling the online pipeline. So I, I don't have to do so much at the moment. I'm doing sort of very manual sequences and things like that. My goal would be to kind of automate it is probably a bad word, but try and like bring a little bit more um, format to that uh, less manual work and then focus more on the, uh, you know, you say that the group deal kind of 
approach. Yeah, absolutely. And did you validate the course before building it in any way? Did you like, you know, put together like a really rough outline, reach out to people, say, hey, building the thing, or did you believe in it so much based on like the book and all the content they created that was a no brainer for you? Yeah, I would. I mean, as as a, as a person that like years and years ago did all like you know the lean startup machine and lean startup, I'd love to be able to sit here and say, yeah, you know, I tested landing pages and sign up. I just did. You know, it's bad, and I probably should have. But um, I took the the kind of the positive sentiment from that I was getting, and the amount of people asking me to do training, and I just thought I just, you know, I I I, I should really just pull the trigger on this and do it. And I didn't even do any of the you know like pre-selling the the training course before it was live or anything like that so yeah i, I probably missed a trick there but, uh, <laughs> no i mean it sounds like that you already struck a chord with the audience because to me it looked like a no-brainer as well and I, I was checking out some of the modules earlier this week and it's just like oh this is actually a shitload of value for what you're charging for it so yeah it's a funny one isn't it i, I do uh, the online training course value thing is, is funny because you could have like you know, something like masterclass, right. Which is obviously, you know, the, the, is, is at the top, top level of online training now, you know, super well-produced, great, great, you know, and it's like, you know, you can, I'm trying to think of a good example. You've got like, you know, NBA basketball players on there teaching you how to shoot. You've got like Gordon Ramsay on there teaching you how to cook. And it's like, what's it like a $99 a year or something, something like that. Something mental <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, so it always, um, it amuses me that, you know, these, uh, yeah, and then likewise, as I was doing a bit of research into more into just how you know the, the industry of courses and stuff. There's you know there's people that sell like lifestyle courses for like ten thousand dollars. No, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah, it's an interesting place. Incredible, and I, I want to kind of get into the tattoo aspects of the course at the moment because uh, I think as a product, the model is fascinating to me. Did you? do quite a elaborate launch or anything like that or yeah i i, I did i definitely did <laughs> i did a soft launch um, yeah and, and one thing i did do actually is i you know I, I kind of linked to my learning platform which i use which is called thinkific i think that's how you say it and i kind of captured email addresses there saying you know coming soon um no pre-sign up or anything like that or pre you know buy and so i had I don't know how many, maybe 100, 200 people on there. And so my first port of call was to do one-to-one emails to people there. So I had, you know, some, what well, I guess the CRM system called snippets of like, the content of the email that I was announcing. But I, I was really, really working very, very hard to do personalization to kind of top and tail it because I wanted people to feel like I valued their, not commitment because they hadn't committed anything, but their, like it was definitely any time when I was building the course and I saw one of those like email notifications come in to say, you know, John Smith has registered to be updated when the course goes live or whatever the message was, that would like be a little shot of energy I'd get. Mm -hmm. And so I was very keen to kind of repay back the kind of um, positive intent those people have shown to me by sort of showing them by, you know, I cared enough to actually kind of, you know, before just sending them a blanket email, which could have taken me like probably half a day to create a really great looking email shot to actually spend a week and going through each person looking at a LinkedIn profile, if they had a Twitter page, see if there's any like, you know, usual kind of social selling stuff, but just to really kind of, and a lot of, I would say three or four in particular, people came back who went on to buy the course, made a note of saying, I really liked the personalized approach. 
which very much interested me because obviously I'm in sales, selling to salespeople. And I, would, I was surprised at just how appreciative people were of personalization when we preach it all day that we should do yeah, it. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's like salespeople, they know that a bit of a personalized approach is the right thing to do, but they're never on the receiving end of it. Yeah. It's so funny, isn't it? And, 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 you know, you see, there's a bit of a trend of this at the moment where people are kind of either, well, I think there was one guy that went viral like a few months ago, maybe a month or so ago, where he was kind of like shaming a sales guy. Like he took this guy's outreach and like put it on LinkedIn and said, oh, it's terrible. And everyone like jumped on this guy and sort of you know, said it was very unkind thing too, which is, which is true. Cause you know, it's one thing to criticize someone publicly, but to leave all their name on there and stuff. I was going to so, say, did they name or shame them? That's, yeah, that's it was not... really weird. It was yeah. really weird. But like following that, there's now a lot of people that have kind of done the opposite of that, who are now making kind of, it, as opposed to like building in public, they're kind of like coaching in public. And so they're taking that. And, and again, they're anonymizing, but you know, they're putting it out there. So I think um, with that made me realize, I was like, yeah, no, as a, a lot of these people, as you say, they're not getting... They're not used to getting sold to. So when they actually get a, a nice attempt to sell to them, they, they appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. Oh, cool. I could talk about <laughs> all of this for so long, but I know we're, we're limited for time. I've got one sure. last question with, for you before we, uh, before we jump off, and that is, like, what are you working on like in the next month or so that you are super jazzed about? What are you building? Yeah, great question. So I didn't know where, I didn't think this would be something I would do, but um, judging by the um, the success of the online training course, I think I'll be building more complementary content to go with that, and just a sort of a support, you know, supporting collateral to go with that. So you know, if someone I had someone email me a couple of days ago saying, "Hey, I really want to get your course, but my company didn't approve it," and I thought to myself, "Wow." There's uh, if, if if you've got a salesperson that wants to invest in in medic and you know the kind of course the course is like five hundred dollars right then if someone wants to invest five hundred a company to invest five hundred dollars in a salesperson they're probably paying that you know multiples of that a month for their salary and and you know knowing what I know about what medic would do to that person's productivity it would be like the most no brainer investment a company could make so it made me realize okay probably needs to do some work to support people that are interested in buying this with like documentation support, the ROI they're going to get. So things like that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how I can build stuff to support people more with medic as well. So who knows what that'll look like in the future. Yeah. Sounds awesome, man. Well, I'll be, uh, I'll be paying attention and checking out what you're doing. Dude, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah. So medic, medic.com. So M E D D I C C.com. <laughs> or oh, actually, yeah, I just, uh, I got the domain name, M-E-D-D-I dot C-C as well. I don't oh, mind telling you that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can find me medic.com and on just to the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm white UK on Twitter and it's uh, white, W-H-Y-T-E, just to be uh, confusing there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a cool surname. <laughs> <laughs> just, just uh, awkward to spell. Nice one. Andy, thank you so much. No worries. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening. Before you dash, just a quick note to share a free ebook we just published called the Content Operations Playbook. If you're interested in content marketing and SEO, then this ebook is for you. We lift the hood up on our own editorial and content production processes from hiring writers, creating solid content briefs, polishing content to be the best it can be, and of course, distributing it to actually generate traffic. It's totally free 
and you can download it over at grizzle.io forward slash content ops. That's www.grizzle.io forward slash content ops. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to subscribe. We've got a lot of great conversations lined up with experts in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship coming up. Thanks again.